Welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Welcome, guys, to our discussion of Speaker for the Dead, Orson Scott Card's hmm, best novel. I'm coming out of the gates. Oh, wow. That is a bold claim from the start. <laughs> uh, it depends on what you like, I guess. But I think I like this one better than Ender's Game, which is saying a lot because I love Ender's Game. You guys know this. Yeah, no, I agree. It's got a lot more depth to it than Ender's Game. Ender's Game's got a lot of depth, but it's yeah. got more like serious questions. It calls out some pretty, uh, some pretty big, some pretty big uh, points, you know. They were saying pretty piggy something, and I was like, well, yeah, there's a lot pretty of piggy stuff too. And there's pretty piggies. There's some pretty piggies in this, and that can't be denied. Us. So, <laughs> please. Jk, they call themselves piggies too. Everyone calls them piggies. Everyone, goes, well, they're little brothers. I love All the little them. brothers. They're so cute. They're <laughs> wonderful. Them in their murdery ways. <laughs> so gruesome. So adorable. <laughs> All right. Oh God. So <laughs> they didn't have to give him a cute name. That was their choice. I guess we're diving in. <laughs> yeah, let's dive in. I'm sorry. Which cute name are they talking about? The piggies or the pequeños, which is little ones. Pequeños. Pe- sorry, I'm used to the Spanish word. Silly. Pequeños. One of my oldest friends has a card game that he modified to, and he modified a card game and then named it Pequeño. Um, and the Pequeño can get beaten, which is kind of cool. Peter, I don't know what you're talking about. We're not going That's down cool. that road. <laughs> That's fine. Let's move on. Let's move Pequeninos, on. Pequeninos, or as I'll kind of call them from now on, because I keep messing up the name, Piggies. Piggies. Let's go with it. Peter, where do you want to start? There's so many places to start, CC. Um, we could start with Navinia, the great villain of our literary life. The secret <laughs> villain of this book and all that Tell follow. you what. Yeah, the secret villain of this trilogy. <laughs> she's not quite a villain yet. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. She's but like, she's the fucking worst. Kind of a villain. She's redeemable still, but she just keeps being... Sh- you're, you're kind of like, oh, great. This is... Okay, this is a weird way. Spoiler alert. You're like, man, Novinia's like really been redeemed and like, yeah, she made some bad choices, but it's all in the open now. Like, good job, Speaker for the Dead. You really like cauterized that wound. Novinia can be great now. And then she's just fucking not in the later books. Oh, my God. Yes, you're like, oh, Novinia can be a cool, like, really, like, a redeemed character with a lot of depth yeah, to her. Yeah, like, she's really a badass scientist, Rich maybe. character. Yeah. She's Real Ender's cool. wife, which you think would make her, like, have to be an interesting character. And no, she just sucks. She sucks for three books. <laughs> I don't know anyone who likes Novinia. <laughs> Novinia's garbage. Anyone that likes Novinia, you shouldn't associate with. <laughs> you are just wrong. <laughs> So that's I mean, Ender likes Novinia, so I guess that's like his big mistake. Yeah, Ender had to have. <laughs> you thought make it was mistake. killing the buggers, but it it wasn't. It wasn't. It was, it wasn't. It was liking Novinia. <laughs> he married her for the kids. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> well, they're pretty cool, to be honest. Ender gets real uppity real quick. Like this is. I'm jumping to the end. Keep up, y'all. But Ender gets real uppity with those kids. He's like, think of them as my children. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you. I know that you're Ender. <laughs> And that you've done a lot for them and everything, but you have known them for like a week and you're telling your sister, they are my children, Violet. They are mine. Think of them that way. Oh God. It's pretty, I mean, pretty fucking weird. I'm not going to lie. See, I would be more on board with that if like he's, she got a message halfway through her trip and it had been 10 years. 
What do you mean? Oh, 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 oh. Violet. Or, excuse me. God, what's her name? Valentine. Valentine. Uh, yes. That, that would have made a little bit more sense. But I mean, yeah. he's also like, I'm going to marry Novinia and show my parents how real parents should be. I don't think his parents were particularly neglectful. It was just hard times. Yeah, it was like, it just sucked for everyone. They were better than They're, Novinia. <laughs> yeah, they could have, like, neglected him and his dad could have beaten his mom. Like, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, for serious. He could have been the uh, product of a secret union. Yeah. So, that's cool. Alright, let's go back to, like, something relatively early on in the book. Sure, sure. Uh, how about the concept of a speaker for the dead? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is, like, I don't know. The most See, and I talk about this all the time. This, I, this is our most common conversation about sci-fi books. I love it. I wish it was a real thing. I bet it is a real thing available in this world. Oh, I bet there's someone out there that's calling themselves a speaker for the dead. Whether or not they're anywhere near as good as they need to be is a different question, but one that we're not going to answer tonight. Uh, yeah, but I will be answering it after this podcast. I will be answering Google. it with Google in an hour. <laughs> Google will be answering it for me. Let's be honest, you see, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, this is that kind of book. Um, oh, God. But yeah, no, so like the whole idea that somebody is going to just totally honestly talk about who you are as a person and like in the ideal situation like when ender speaks mark Howe's death really truly grasp your internal life and the different ways you impact the lives around you like i thought it was really Mm -hmm. nice that he was like yeah y'all bullied him and that kind of sucked but like you were kids we all get it we all do mean shit when we're kids i for example destroyed an entire race of intelligent beings um but you know puberty's a bitch (laughs) yeah you got a lot of feelings like the urge for xenocide that you can't really explain (laughs) but but the way he talked about um like how he had this great strength and how that was like you know protected people's safety when he was working was really beautiful and like but then he goes on and he's like, yeah, he beat the shit out of his wife, and that was terrible. He did it because of these reasons, which were also terrible. <laughs> like, it, it really, I feel like, I don't know, it makes him a sympathetic character, despite the fact that he's done a lot of bad things, and you don't give him an excuse for that. You're just like, I understand it now. Yeah, and that was always the point of Ender, though. Like, yes. he was chosen in the first book to become the Supreme Commander because of his great empathy, his ability to understand his enemy. I don't know if they knew that was why. I mean, like, they weren't saying, oh, this guy's really empathetic. It was Ender who was the one who figured out, like, without knowing a person truly and loving that person, you can't, like, predict them and outthink them and defeat them. I think at some level they did. We're not going to talk about Ender's game now, but, like, <laughs> they cho- they didn't choose Valentine, they didn't choose Peter... They chose Ender because he was the middle balance between their two empathies. Yeah, that's true. No, like, too much Valentine versus none Peter. Right. Right. Anyway, not going to talk about it anymore. And you see that in Ender. No, you see that in Ender when he first meets the uh, Novinius kids and, like, Marcos. Nope. What's his name? Grego. Grego comes at him with a fucking knife and Ender's like, not chill about it, but he shouldn't be because a kid just came at him with a fucking knife. (laughs) And, like... (laughs) He's, like, holding him tight and being like, I'm not going to let you go because I've received no guarantees that you're not going to come at me with a fucking knife again. And that's fair. That's pretty fair. I mean, like, probably illegal, but no one... There's, like, one cop on this planet, let's be honest, so... (laughs) I'm not even sure there's that. I'm not even... I think there's, like, a constable. I think that's... Or, like, a sheriff. This strikes me as a kind of time that had a constable. Yes. They're, um... 
they have to be covered by the uh, uh, space system police unit. Sorry, that didn't roll off the dice. <laughs> so I was like, oh, what? Nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. state police have to cover. Never mind. The space police? The space, the space police the, jurisdiction? The space police have to um, make up for their part-time police would, force. Would you call them a space force? No. Cece, 20 years is a shitty response I would call time. them space troopers. Space troopers. Weirdly enough, they this got a pretty on a hatch. joke. <laughs> that is specifically our niche. Our niche, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Albert doesn't even listen. <laughs> well, this is a pretty niche podcast. There, you know. True enough. It's for sci-fi fans who are married to and or related to <laughs> <safe> police. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what it says on iTunes? I mean... <laughs> oh, no, I forgot to include that in the description. Um, we have a way bigger Oh, that explains why we don't have listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the book. Oh, my Finally, God. Finally, a yeah. podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh so we... We meet Ender at the beginning of the book, chilling at a university, being, I guess, some kind of philosophy professor. Honestly, though, like, a professor I would take. I think he's a badass professor. He's a pretty great professor. Yeah. Even though, like, in that whole conversation, he's like, yeah, I checked out. (laughs) Tired of listening to Ender. I zoned out. I'm like, well, I don't know. I've taught some classes in my day. I've done that. Like, God knows. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Just let them fight it out themselves. But no, this is actually a really important point, because that's when we're first introduced to the idea of Ender the Xenocide, the horrific monster of humanity's history. Yeah, he goes from being, like, the greatest hero of humanity to basically space Hitler. And he's the one who did that. He's the one who changed his reputation from hero, savior of humankind, to space Hitler. That's gotta be a weird psychology. Yeah, I mean, that's Ender, baby. I mean, now, do you think he doesn't really sweat that kind of conflict of his two sides? Because Ender didn't know what he was doing when he did. He like, doesn't forgive himself for it, though. He doesn't forgive himself for it, but, like, it's not like he knowingly did it. So I think maybe the argument of, of the Calvinist morality, right, when they were talking about how intent doesn't matter. Yeah. That might be kind of weird and, and pretty hard for him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it it is the the moral judgment by which he is the most guilty. And he's on this weird Norse Calvinist planet. Yes, well... <laughs> which is like a weird combination. Trondheim. I want to visit Trondheim. It sounds chill. Yeah, Trondheim sounds actually uh, kind of dope. No pun intended. <laughs> I hope not. It was a terrible pun. It was a pretty bad pun. I hope it's it was intended. If it was intended, you should be sad. <laughs> you should really take a hard look at your life. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, and we'll see <clears> this, especially if we cover um, Children of the Mind and Xenocide. Religion, and I mean, it, also in this book, religion plays a really big role, and, like, sectarian religion plays a really big role in Orson Scott Card books. Well, that's because of the author, I think. I don't think it's, like, he's decided this is a likely future for the humanity. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think he decided it was likely future for humanity. But I also find it very interesting. I like the different representations. I mean, we talked about it with Hyperion, with the Catholic Church still present in that far-flung future. Which was yes, yes, very surprising and weird and unexpected, but like plausible in the way it was represented. Although and that far flung future was only like a couple centuries past Earth. Uh, I mean, it was, I would say, at least a thousand years in the future, probably more. I don't think that's true. I think that is I... true. I was just listening to Fall of Hyperion, and they said something about seven hundred years, 
since the uh, start of the hegemony, so or the hegira as they call it in that series. Right, but the hegira, it's hegemony in this series. It's hegira in that series. The hegira existed when Earth still existed, just barely. Did it? Well, it was like a fledgling thing, and then the AI decided. It's around a millennium from. <clears throat> okay, from but Earth. this is three times that. Um. Yes. That's true. That's a long ass time. I give you. This that. is three thousand years. But in the, the way that the hundred worlds were settled was such that things like sectarian religion would be reinforced and um, sort of isolated. That doesn't make any sense to me, though. Doesn't it? I mean, I guess if you're going to make the argument that you can't, like, all right, if you're going to look at this from a purely utilitarian standpoint, mm-hmm. um, can't separate people from religion. Uh-huh. Most people have some sort of credo that they follow. Right. Yeah. So Maybe. if you can't separate people from religion, and a lot of conflict through history has been caused by religion, yeah. then separate the religions. In some ways, that makes sense. Yeah, but I think it's also <clears throat> like people are going to get on a starship together and travel, you know, thousands, hundreds, dozens of light years to get to a new planet where it's just going to be the people on that starship living. You'd want to go with your in-group. You'd want to go with the community you most identify with. Right, but how many people today do you think identify with the religious community over their social community? Well, okay. How about this? Who got on the Mayflower, Peter? You can't compare, like, you 15th can. century. Why not? It's colonization. The point is, is, like, the Puritans were a minority religion who felt that their rights were not being, you know, met. And they were like, screw this. We're going to go to this new area where nobody can tell us what to do. It just occurred to me that Mormons would be all over this. Mormons would be all the fuck over this. Which is probably why OSC is all over this. Mormons would be all over this shit. Yeah. No, but like people who... And like, okay, in the case of (laughs) Lusitania, it's Brazilian Catholics. And like, Catholicism is a lot stronger in South and Central America than it is here. Or most mm-hmm. other places in the world. Like, maybe right. the Vatican is stronger in Catholicism. Maybe. That's how you define Catholicism these days. <laughs> For real, though. But anyway. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though, right? Like, and if you are... If you are a religious group, and you're very tightly wound, or... <laughs> I don't mean tightly wound. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for, Peter? Uh, tightly bound, I guess. Like you, you know, you, you're um, close knit. That's the one. I'm integrated. For. Yeah, you're close knit. You're integrated. You pretty much just hang out with other people like you. Those are the people you would go to a new world with. And you might go to a new world because you're like, this world doesn't get me, and I don't like the way Earth is going. It's like way too much shit going on. There's like a lot of sin by my definition, etc. I, I don't want my family to be there. We're all going to go to a new planet and make it Where a Catholic do I sign planet. Up? <laughs> right. Make it a Catholic planet where like only people with my moral code will live and then it'll be free smooth sailing and I won't have to explain myself to anyone. But that's not true. Because plenty mean? of people because it's spe- said specifically in the book that other people of other religions live on planets that have a credos that are not is not that religion. That's they true. Specifically- not everyone's not everyone's a part of like a tight knit religion. Right, it's just but the like thing, stories he finds most interesting usually take place in that context. Um, I guess. 
I just think it, there Lusitania must be planet. Is an anomalous planet in a lot of ways because I think the point is is that like the first settlers were Brazilian Catholics. They got a Catholic colony license. Oh shit! There's sentient life here. Nobody else can settle here. Just the people who are already here, and they're gonna study this. Mm-hmm. I find it surprising that they only like had one Xenologer, but I guess that was part of the um, uh, isolation that they imposed. They're like they don't want to deal with a lot of different humans. Well, I think they could have more than one Xenologer, but I think the idea is, yeah. Well, you had to. You can only go out with a group of two people. I think well, it, it said like special like, permission to bring out Wanda and uh, Miro together. Yeah, I think that was the idea. Yeah. Actually, no. I'm willing to bet actually at that point because they were already engaging in questionable activity. Uh, at that point, they just didn't care. They didn't give a shit. No, yeah. but I mean, they were both like recording longs and stuff. There's no way they they could hide that they were both going out together. With I mean, unless Diva, they only Diva. submitted Diva. one set of those logs a day. I guess. It's not important, I don't think. It's not important at all, but we're going to argue about it, apparently. <laughs> I speculate that it's not important. I submit that. I deny that. <laughs> oh, no. It's the most important. <laughs> Guys, there's a schism. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to have to go support two separate, equally unpopular podcasts. <laughs> Half as popular. <laughs> Approximately. I think there'll be some cross-listenership. I would hope so. Um, until they were right. like, wow, this is really boring listening to one person talk about sci-fi. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, clearly not. The University of U, in its briefly lived existence, was much more popular <laughs> Sorry, than the show. more popular than the show. Because it was more consumable. We're like, come listen to us talk for two hours. <laughs> and also read this book first. <laughs> Pull up a chair, read this 500-page book, and listen to us talk about it. <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Um, <clears throat> I That's not the humor there. <laughs> do we do we do we kill this one yet? With a whole a whole podcast? No, no. This topic. <laughs> what topic are we on? <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, I'm gonna talk about this now. Okay. Um, the the Descalada. Oh yeah, let's talk about the Descalada. First of all, it's a lot not more to say about the Descalada in the later books, but it's fine. yeah. We we can't talk too much about it right now. Only how it applies to the piggies, I suppose. Uh, yes. It gets way cooler later. Uh, it will be a while before we do the other books, but I highly recommend you read them. Yes. They're if not only as for the good. Discolata. But they are still pretty good. I think they're more problematic than the first The people two. are more annoying in those ones. Yeah, there's way fewer characters you like. Yeah, it's not even Ender really anymore. Mira gets all ruined at the end of this book by having a debilitating injury. That's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. It's so sad because I liked Mira so much. It's sad for me, personally. <laughs> Cece, the- tell us how this affects you. This affects me because I like Mirror so much before, and then he becomes a whiny baby because <laughs> he just be kind of become the worst. And like, but you feel bad because you're like, it's fair, man. Like your life did take a really fucked up turn, but uh, <laughs> the love your life was your sister, it. and you also got paralyzed. So like that's cool. The worst day ever. <laughs> and also it's you're under arrest <laughs> and also yeah and now your colony is revolting and yeah you're gonna feel pretty guilty about that and that's kind of on you but like also not um and also, it's kind of on jane bug aliens are gonna be living here soon <laughs> that's kind of spooky <laughs> <laughs> that's not fun <laughs> however progressive you might think you are they still look like bugs <laughs> still bug aliens <laughs> Still but I mean that's a topic too is like Ender 
Straight up says that he's like, you guys are free to like the buggers because the buggers don't exist anymore. And it's really easy to like somebody you don't have to deal with. But if you actually met them, it might be a totally different story because they're still fucking giant bugs. And humans innately don't like that. The lizard brain takes over. The lizard brain takes over and you're like, oh, it's going to eat me. I do not like. (laughs) I do not like. Even if you're like a a devoted hive queen follower... You know, you're still going to be, at least, like, stomach-wise, turned away from that. I bet there'll be plenty of speakers who will be like, nah, no thank you. Actually, I'm over this. <laughs> I'm, mm, I don't this like this This was a anymore. weird phase, but I'm uh, going to not <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> It turns out they're right. It is just a phase. <laughs> oh, but no, you want to right. talk about the Descalata. Oh, right. So, and uh, I guess the piggy life cycle. Um, yeah, well, all the life cycles, but specifically the piggies, because that's the one I remember. Well, that's the most, that's the most, like, novel one, because it's, it's really interesting. Like, as a bio person, hearing, um, that whole conversation between Ender and Ella, when she's like, hey, there's a lot of weird shit about this ecology, here's all of it, and, like, I've been wondering a lot about it, and I'm like, whoa. (laughs) That is weird shit. That is very weird shit. (laughs) That falls under the definition of weird shit. Yeah, no, and then they're talking about, um... Like, in the end, uh, analyzing how it all works, like, okay, the cabra grass, you know, rubs the bellies of the, or no, the cabra are the animals. So, like, the grass rubs the bellies of the cabra, and then the cabra are fertilized, and then they can have children, and, like, or Who are genetically different. Cabra babies that are, yeah, that are genetically different and everything. And, oh my gosh, the whole role of, like, warfare in piggy genetic exchange is That's really insane. interesting. Really fucking interesting. Yeah. Like, the way that creatures just evolve to make sure that they have enough genetic diversity to survive. And this was, like, this must have been a post-Descalata evolution. Because the Descalata has... How long did they say it was? Like, 100,000 years or something like that? Like, evolutionarily, not that long. I think they were saying, like, either 100,000... It's between, like, a half a million or 100,000 years ago. Yeah, something like that. Like somewhere in that window, there was because they said there was a major hit to the ecology somewhere in that window, because basically anything more would have caused other things to evolve to fill in niches. Right. But it wouldn't have because of the Descalata's nature. That's true. It kind of blocks things from evolving. So like, or it forces evolution, just not helpful evolution. Right. Oh my gosh, Peter, you know what I just realized? What's that? CC? There's no dogs on Lusitania. There are no dogs on Lusitania. Do you think they brought any? No. Do you think they died? I hope not. I'd rather believe that they didn't bring any dogs. But well, who kind of person bring goes to a new planet? Like I don't want to bring dogs. <laughs> what kind of monster would say that? I, the kind of monster who would want to colonize a new planet to begin with, I guess. That's not a monster thing. I would colonize a new planet. No, but my point and is, bring a dog. They are clearly antisocial. I want to make that dog the fucking longest lived dog ever because I went to relativistic speed with it. Oh, that'd be so cool. My dog's dog been alive be 30 for like 40 years. years. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> Suck that childhood dog. <laughs> hey, do you think dogs' lifespans are getting any longer? What? Like, you know, with, as like, science develops. Medical science? Veterinary as science? As medical science develops, do you think after 3,000 years, dogs will live like 25 years? I can only hope so, Peter. I can. I'm not really focusing on that. What are we focusing on? <laughs> Keep, People What's suck. the point should... of medical research, anyway? <laughs> we People live long enough, times. okay? 80 years is plenty of time to do damage. <laughs> How about dogs? When when dogs can live 80 years, then you can go back to focusing on humans, okay? <laughs> Let's balance the scales. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Okay, moving on. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm just saying that's a high cost to moving to a new planet is not being able to have a dog. Oh no, for sure. If they were like, okay, yeah, no, new planet, free ticket, sure. Uh, no dogs. <sighs> like, ooh, ooh. Well, there be hand, local flora who's wiggles their butt when I scratch it. No? No. I'm out. Mm, Will there be small murderous piggies? Yes? No, thank you. (laughs) Definitely no, thank you. (laughs) I I can't believe you're surprised I asked that question. It seemed very logical to me. (laughs) So, okay, the the life cycle of the piggies. Yes. So, it starts off uh, as little, like, fucking worms. Yes. Like little shitty worms. Born out of slightly bigger worms by eating. Yeah, no, so it's crazy, right? So they have these... So the wives are the little, are the little worms. Mm-hmm. No, wait. No. The mothers the wa- are the little the mother, worms. The little mothers. They're the little mothers. The little wives mothers, are the ones who it. take care of everything. Okay. Um. Hey, where do the wives come from? The wives come from little mothers, mothers that are infertile. Now, are they born infertile, or are they just not brought to a father tree? My understanding is that they're born infertile. Interesting. That's why there's not that many of them. Okay. So, first of but all, like, I, I believe it's... that if 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 birth wasn't fatal for the mother, then theoretically it could grow into a wife. But it's fatal, so it doesn't matter. But it's fatal, so it doesn't matter. Which also I thought was a really interesting point where Ella and Wanda are like, "Oh my god, like that's so fucked up. Maybe we can make little little baby worm cesarean sections and like save the mothers' lives." And they're just like, "Cool, your fucking jets. <laughs> this is Chill, their fam. life, okay? Like we're not." You know, this is a, this is the whole point of dealing with Raman, which is also a concept I really want to discuss. Yes. Um, this is the whole point of dealing with Raman, is that, like, you can't come in here and be like, oh, no, the way your biology works is incorrect. Like, they very well might one day be like, oh, I see that you can do cesarean sections. Can we do that to our baby mamas? Can and, we get in on that action, please? Yeah, can we do that, please? And that's fine. But they have to, like, come to that conclusion themselves. Otherwise, you're totally fucking up their way of life without... Like, just be, to make them more like humans. Which was another interesting point, because he, um, when human, the piggy, translates that for Shouter, the, the um, wife, she, the way he translates it is like, oh, they want to make us more like humans. And then there's like, smooth move. Because if human had actually explained the whole conversation, then he was like, Shouter might have said yes to that. And that could have fucked up, like, their whole sort of... Biolog- biological, like, ecological system without mm-hmm. full acceptance of the consequences. Right. And it's kind of like that idea that everyone else is like, let's make them like us. I mean, I don't know. It just bothers me every time that comes up. Yeah. No, definitely. And I mean, I think that's, I mean, in a weird way, that's kind of not unlike, you know, what we've done in the past to indigenous peoples and like, taking Native Americans' children away to, like, educate them in an English-speaking school and, like, just completely crush their tribal identity and make them into, like, slightly tan white people. Yeah, I mean, it's cultural destruction. Yeah. And And they they didn't mean it that way in this context, but it was still what they were doing, which is why you have to really police that sort of impulse in yourself. Which, in that way, I kind of get what the Star Wars Congress is going for. Yeah, for sure. Now, if if you're believing the more altruistic notions, they didn't want that specifically to happen. Yes. Um, I tend to believe Ender's point that they really just didn't want the, they didn't want the piggies threat. to ever rise up and be equals to humans. I don't I, know. I believe that one more so. I tend to assume the best of people, even government agencies. 
it's hard it's hard these days but (laughs) they're trying their best to dissuade me of that i'm still there's a lot of evidence to the contrary recently but that's still the core of who i am and what i what i defer to naturally generally my first inclination is to go that way yeah exactly but um yeah so in this case i don't really because they did arm the evacuation fleet with the little doctor yeah pretty dark hey hey real quick how have we not improved that it's been uh, three thousand years. How do you improve the little doctor, Peter? Okay, it is I don't the know. most destructive weapon you can imagine. Give it a fucking like range. Like Ender accidentally destroyed a planet and everything around it because it doesn't have a range. It runs out of matter and it runs out of energy. No, like, he that's intentionally it. destroyed a planet and everything around it because of the range. What are you talking about? I guess that's fair. Yeah, that was that was but, him deliberately using a feature of the weapon, not a glitch. All right, but I feel like. I don't know. There were some improvements to be made. Like, let's, hey, let's limit the range. Or let's make the range variable. How's that? You don't know that they didn't do that, Peter. It's just still the little doctor. They probably did refine the technology somewhere in the last 3,000 years, but it's still the little doctor. I don't trust them to have done that. How can you come... Peter, there is literally nothing I can imagine more destructive than a molecular disruption device. God, could you imagine? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what comes up with that. We don't have we we have this one little planet. Let's not fuck it up more. All I'm saying is, how do you top that with a new weapon? I can see how you can improve the existing technology, but I cannot see how you could come up with a new weapon that's more dangerous than that. You could come up with a more precise weapon. Nah, nah, it wouldn't bang as big. Yes. <laughs> All right. Which is where the humanity comes into it. That's a fair point. You know what? Point taken. <laughs> um, okay. Wait, so back to the... We, we keep going away from the piggies. So... Yes. I think it's the cool that... One of the things interesting about their life cycle, because they go from the little worms to if they're a brother, they get born, they eat their way out of their mommy, they crawl on the outside of a tree for a while, suck some sap up. You know. Um, yeah, just do what they do. Yes. They're like 10 centimeters they can talk, which is pretty cool. Oh. Although, like, their memories go back, like, to coming out of the tree. Uh, some do. I think we were talking about how that was, like, sort of unique that human could remember that. Okay, but, like, the fact that, that at that point they can be developing memories is insane. Yeah, pretty much. That That is basically a step past conception. Um, um yeah. But anyway, so It's like, the, no, it's like having a memory at the tail end of breastfeeding. I think it's... I like to make an analogy in my head of, like, comparing them to humans at that point in their life cycle. It's like if you just threw a bunch of babies, like, at a wall... And just, like, left them there. What? <laughs> like, when they're living on the outside of the tree. Oh. <laughs> like, if, if, imagine if you walked up and just found a bunch of babies, like, attached to a wall, just kind of chilling. Here's my theory. <laughs> Leaving the tree is, like, crawling. That's when they're at the crawling stage. So you leave uh-huh. them in a, a room with no sharp objects and lots of full baby bottles. And you say, go to town, kiddos. We'll see you <laughs> And in lots of other babies. And lots Many of other o- babies who might beat them up and not let them have the bottles. <laughs> But you know what? How else are you supposed to progress as a species? That's true. That is forced evolution. Yeah. We're not doing that anymore. For serious. We um, need to bring so, that back. 90s kids yeah. remember. <laughs> baby fights. <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast, Baby Fight Club. <laughs> that sounds like it would probably be more popular than our current podcast. <laughs> probably. I mean, that name is just gold. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and copyright that shit. <laughs> TM. TM, TM. Um, 
God. So they're, anyway, they're toddlers so, so. crawling around on the outside of the tree that eventually <laughs> they kind of learn to talk and walk. And they're brothers then. Or, I and guess, they, And they sisters? run and they flip. Slash wives. Fucking... What? As, here, okay, question. Do the bugger females only have two lives? Uh, oh, I guess they could have a third life if they become a mother tree, right? Mother tree, yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> Sexist. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so Forests have a trees. lot of father trees. But one mother tree. And one mother tree. I believe that a forest should have one father tree and one mother tree. Yes. Not 0. 0.67 or whatever the number is. Mother trees <laughs> to every father tree. <laughs> what? You know what I'm going for? I don't remember what the number is. That's bad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it would be a better joke if you remembered. <laughs> oh, God. Um, But, yeah. So... That, that, so, I don't know, but the wives do, like, all the maintenance of the settlement, really. Like, they decide when babies can be born. Yeah. Which is, okay, but that's kind of a, an advanced level of societal planning. They're like, oh, we have enough food now, let's let 320 new babies get born. That's very true. That's that's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. There's a very sophisticated understanding of their own sort of resources and limitations and everything. Which, I don't know, that might be kind of a side effect of... Well, okay, never mind. This branch on the other books. But... (laughs) Shut up, me. Shut up, you. So, okay, and then... The coolest thing I think about the life cycle, though, is the difference between a brother tree and a father tree. Yes. Do they call them brother trees? Yes. Okay, that is really interesting. Because it's just... So the difference, if anyone missed it, is a father tree is planted so they have like they do like the thing they vivisect them uh they kind of dance around holding hands and that's it and then like they they sprout out like a little (laughs) sapling which is super kind of weird because it comes out of their spine so cool um but okay so (laughs) i'm a little more confused about how brother trees come about the only thing that's talked about is they don't vivisect them so i think I think a couple different ways can produce brother trees. I think that if you die before you can be planted, mm-hmm. that's one way. Because like I think you still have the third life, but you just don't get the honor of being a father. And like becoming a father is something that's bestowed upon you. And so like I think that. Okay, because who was it? Was it was it Ruder who was talking about um, a war they had fought? And how he's like, oh, I gave him his honor. Like, I planted him. Or he didn't say I planted him. He, he was talking about, like, an enemy piggy. And he was talking about how he gave him his honor. And so mm-hmm. I think that potentially when you're in battle and you meet a foe who is particularly formidable. Because, like, they talk about how there's sort of this binary relationship when father trees are made. Where it's like, there's you and a rival. And you have some sort of conflict. Or it's like, you, you come to a new like higher understanding together like you reach a new level of wisdom it's kind of vaguely defined i feel but um then one of you has to give the other the honor of planting you and helping you become a father tree and so i guess what happens is in a war right you create father trees out of fallen enemy soldiers in your forest good ones good ones right I think it's in any fort. I think it's just wherever they are. Yeah, but I guess you have a battle, like, near in your a forest. forest. <laughs> well, I'd say that you near your forest. It can be near their forest. Because I think the idea is you go to that, that forest and you plant your own mother tree. If you win. 
if you win, right? So you could say they're invading, right? They go to the other, they invade. They may make some father trees out of good enemy soldiers. They make some brother trees out of bad ones. Yeah. And or then I they think plant the bad ones just died in battle and didn't get planted, and therefore. Yeah, no, it wasn't intent. It was just they died, and no one was like, hey, you did a dope job. Here's a tree. Right. Well, we became father trees. Um, the shitty part of that is the third life is kind of shitty for brother trees because they're not intelligent. Um, they're, I, it sounded like they were less intelligent. Like, it I, seems like they're in kind of like a weird zen state. I think, like, they have, like, they don't have, because, like, Ruder can talk. Like Ruder, yes. I mean, we don't we don't really talk about but that that, talk that much. But people talk to Ruder. Ruder can't talk Ruder, unless somebody's talking to him. No, well, yeah, if someone's beating on him with a stick. He changes the shape of his his trunk and changes the voice that comes out. Yeah. So sure. I mean, do you but, think maybe like, people just don't talk to the brother cheese? <laughs> stupid idiots. <laughs> Who wants their opinion? Am I right? No, no. This isn't talked about. Okay, this is spoiler to the next book. But they do talk about later how like when um when there's, like, a crisis and they need to talk about, like, the network of the... of Because the, all the father trees are connected by Philodic. Is it all, all of the father trees, period, or all the father trees in a tribe? I think it's all the father trees, period. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. But they're all kind of, like, slow. You know, they, they're fucking trees. Like, they, <laughs> they, they move what at a slow want? pace. Yeah, no, they're like ants. Yeah, I was going to say, they you've read walk. Lord of the Rings, right, fans? They think like ants. <laughs> um, yes. Um, so, yeah. So the... So father trees uh, are connected, and but the brother trees are there, but like mostly as, it's like the father trees are ram and the brother trees are hard storage. Like they're not actively <laughs> part of the the interaction, but they're a resource. <laughs> okay. You know. Yes, I don't know. I it's I, we don't talk a but lot also, about brother trees. All I know is that we use them for their wood. <laughs> they're kind of <laughs> shitty and we cut them down but like they still take that seriously you know they're not just like they don't cut them down they like ask them for the gift of their wood which is really beautiful no it really is a nice thing um and it is like kind of a cool also it's like a crazy way of getting your tools like that's insane I know they come out like with perfectly sharpened wooden knives fuck yeah kick ass <laughs> like awesome that's pretty badass, actually. And a house. Seriously. They call those sharpened knives and a house. Yeah, like fucking Lincoln logs. <laughs> yeah. It's Just ready for your assembly. Yeah, much more efficient than humans. <laughs> Seriously. They get a house in like 25 minutes. <laughs> no, but for real, though, it's awesome. No, it's cool. It's like a really, it's an interesting way and it kind of shows how the whole society of the piggies is based around these trees. You know what else isn't very well explained is um, life expectancy of a brother. Like, because they're talking uh, If they're about, smart, not very long. Y yeah. <laughs> Ironically, it's like, if you do a good job, goodbye, second life. And it seems like the second life is really fun. And they just kind of, like, hang out and make tools and, like, carry the little mothers. Which was really sweet, the way they were talking about carrying the little mothers and how that was their great joy. And, um... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But I... But whatever. I, for, listen, I don't want to impose my human ideals on them. Clearly, they'd rather be father trees than brothers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not all of them do. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe there's some low achieving piggies who just want to. There, there's some coast. piggies that are like, are like the. Um, I can't come up with a joke without being insulting, so I'm just. Gonna <laughs> I'm gonna not. That's pretty. That's pretty smart. Let's uh. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on from that. But yes, I, I think the piggy society is really interesting, and I think that 
being Orson Scott Card, there are some moments where it was kind of, I feel like, playing into a sort of noble savage cliche, but then he always surprised me by pulling out of that, you know? It's kind of like, oh, wow, yes. the piggies are, like, so peaceful and everything. But it's like, they're, they they have, like, their own, you know, like, spats and, and rivalries and, like, moral flaws. Like, their sort of bloodthirstiness for war and everything. Yeah, they're not perfect. They're not. They're And they're not, like... Because, like, at one point I made the note, I was like, why are all the aliens better than us? It was just Kekar's imagination. Like, because the buggers... Yeah, they tried to kill humanity, but then humanity killed all of them, and they were like, oh, we get it. We forgive you. And oh, that was our bad. That we was pretty laid off. back of them. And, like, yeah, I, that get, was pretty chill. I get that they needed us, you know? I get that. However, they didn't need to, like, forgive us fully and be like, no, we probably would have done the same thing. <laughs> like, that shows a level of emotional maturity I don't think any humans have. Well, Ender does. Ender does. But, like, that's literally literally what the Hive Queen did was saying, you killed my entire family and everyone I knew and cared about. But, like, yeah, it was was a pretty reasonable misunderstanding. And so let's just be cool. Can we all be cool? That's the thing. I kind of don't blame the humans. For killing the the buggers? Yeah. Fuck nah. Because they get attacked twice. Yeah. They're like, they're going to come back for more. This alien race that they try to communicate with, and but they have no way of doing it because how are humans going to communicate usually by a radio signal? Right. What do the buggers not have? Radio. Any sort of radio. Yeah, that's not how they do. That's not how they do. So like, I it, I don't I don't blame people. Right. No, totally. Like, that makes sense. And I mean, even Ender, like, I, I, who is he talking to? To Oliato, and Oliato is like, well, like. I mean, it's okay, because, like, you thought it was a game and everything, so, like, you shouldn't feel too bad. And Ender's like, nah, I mean, yes, but also, I would have done the same thing, even if I didn't think it was a game. Like, yeah. much though I might like to say, oh, I, it was just a game to me, like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Fault. I still know that if I had known that it wasn't a game, I still could have done it, and would have done it, because I believed that it was the only way to save the people I loved. Even before that, when he was just talking about to Ohado about how um, about the time, like before Ohado knew he was under the Xenocide, he yeah, he was talking about like it, it can't, I'm, actually it might not have been Ohado, but he was talking about it earlier with someone about they were like oh I can't believe we did that that was so horrible and he's like well you don't understand it was a different time yeah. like there was this horrifying alien race that looked like bugs and it scared the shit out of us we were facing our um, extinction yeah and From like a as monster far, out of nightmares. Because literally the first thing they did in the first invasion is they landed and tried to terraform the planet with people still on it. Yeah. They glassed China, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. They released, like, a foam which turned all the biomatter into mush. It's pretty fucking horrifying. Yeah. And, so, of like, course, that's... we would lash out and destroy any that threat in any way we could and as decisively as we could. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, like, if there was, like, literally one like a last holdout and we might have gone like if we managed to communicate with them at all we might have been like you little bit can survive because you know ex- no people really like the idea of extinction no and I find it hard to believe that anything non-intelligent can create spaceships and go at light speed and well certainly like, do all this I mean we had to know that they were intelligent but like it, this Which, was our first time you know we had never found an alien species and like had a productive relationship with them and been like no it's cool we can 
coexist. We can work past this. Yeah, we had not ever experienced that. And so all we saw was you're a threat to us and it doesn't fucking matter if you're intelligent or not because you're trying to destroy us. And you'll try again, which was where we were incorrect. Well, they tried again once. (laughs) Right, right. So, I mean... So, they did try twice. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's... I think it's totally reasonable that humanity did what they did. And also, not not to discuss Ender's game too much, but, like, Graf told Ender. Ender was like, can I attack the planet? And Graf's like, I mean, that would... Or was it Mazer? It was Mazer Rackham, and he was like, you would be destroying the civilian population, which is not something people usually do in wars, but just, like, understand that. But, yeah, it's part of the game. You're allowed to. And Edda was like, all right. <laughs> so, like, That's all I can... Like, this is my option. This, this option. is how I can win. And, like, he didn't feel good about it, but he was like, I want this to be over. I am done. We're going to just go ahead and attack that planet. And, like, so even even human commanders weren't like, yeah, destroy them all. I mean, they weren't yeah. sad that it happened, but they weren't out to get that necessarily. They weren't thrilled to kill everyone. Yeah. And so, you know, that actually, that point kind of slides nicely into this book when Ender published, well, not really this book, but the uh, foundation of this book, when he published The Hive Queen the Hegemon, it... Like, humanity was kind of ready for that. Because no one was thrilled that we killed them all. They were thrilled that they were safe. Uh, they were thrilled for a while. I mean, you're right. It's not, yeah, death to the buggers. It was, yeah, survival to the humans. Like, humans get to and live. And for a while, they didn't this... see a difference between those two. Yeah, exactly. And eventually, they saw a difference. Right. And they eventually they realized it's xenocide. Surprise, surprise. Real bad not thing. Not so good for anyone. Pr- pretty bad. Like, kind of on our, our record. Yes. And so then you move on to this book where everyone sees Ender as the great villain of humanity, the worst human to ever live. Right. I mean, even, um, and like, they also all see the superior of that, right? So you see in the end there when, or not, not the end exactly, but the, towards the end when the re- idea of rebellion is all of a sudden considered by everyone in the leadership because shit was going down. Mm-hmm. The bishop is like, well, there are no more Enders among mankind. There's no way they would do that. Right. Well... First of all, he's wrong. He was talking to Ender. Second of all... <laughs> there is um, decisively an Ender in this room. There is specifically one Ender, and he's in front of you. <laughs> like, that would be the best way for him to come out to everyone. Well... Like, oh, by the by, <laughs> there is one, and I am he. Actually. <laughs> you might think that, but... <laughs> oh, God. That would have been amazing. Um, it would have been... <laughs> It would have been probably not the way Ender likes to act, that, but it would have been a great Ender way. Does, but that's how I do in my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> that's not my badass self in my imagination. That's does. who I, I like to imagine that I am would do it. <laughs> Me in um, real life would never have admitted it, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so but but the bitch is like, all right, there's no more of those in around. But like, that's a really oddly hopeful viewpoint. Yeah. The bishop's a really interesting character, and I will get to that. But um, one last point about Ender the Xenocide and his notoriety is I thought it was really kind of sweet that Ender signed the treaty with the piggies, Ender Wigan. And it was like, mm-hmm. it was this sort of, I don't know, it felt like a really vulnerable moment where he was like, he signed it Ender Wigan, and he was thinking about how that sounded like an epithet in his mouth. Like, just to say Ender, because so many people had used it as, like, a, oh, you, like, that guy's a real Ender. Like, it's, it's like a, it's a regular Ender. It's like, it's, it is literally to them what Hitler is to us. 
Like, thanks, Hitler. Except a thousand <laughs> times worse. Right, exactly. And so, but, like, he signed his name on that because he was like, I hope that it can, like, recoup some of my name's reputation so it won't always be vilified for the rest of time. Yeah, maybe one day it's the foundation of a new relationship with the only other intelligent species you found. And hold up, the other one. Yes. All three of the intelligent species that exist. Surprise, there's still the second one that is still around. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Hi, guys. Me, the I'm Marcus. the Hive Queen. What's up? <laughs> well, and this is my crib. <laughs> it's it's kind of just a cave. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's, it's a, I know it smells funny. <laughs> Not to us, but uh, you humans are so dainty. This is my drone. Think of your foot. That's kind of like my drone. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Joan, go get us some bio sacks. <laughs> oh, boy. Here, he can, he can spit into your mouth if you're thirsty. <laughs> oh, God. And if you need any wooden tools, this tree will uh, fall apart for you. This tree will fall over. <laughs> if you ask nicely just, like, enough. Draw the tool you want. Oh, you do have to sing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how's your voice? It doesn't matter. Never mind. <laughs> just follow my lead. Lusitania is so awesome. I want to live there. <laughs> oh and I gosh. probably could because I'm a baptized Catholic. So... <laughs> How's your Portuguese? I'm not Portuguese. Well, I'm not Brazilian, nor is my Portuguese existent. But I'll have time to learn it on the space flight. It's fine. On the two-week space flight? I know that H is our eyes, because Orson Scott Card explained it to me. Um, well, I don't know. They all know Stark. Stark is basically English. I'm pretty sure Stark is English. No, they literally talked about how Ender speaks Stark as his native language. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's kind of weird. You must be real old, huh? That is wait, that is, is always weird. really fun. That's a really fun part of the book. Is it, like people being like, how, "Wait, how old are you? How old are you?" Because <laughs> he says some shit about like, "Oh yeah, I spoke like San Angelo's death." And they're like, they're like, "Wait a second, that was three hundred years, years ago." ago? Or <laughs> okay, wait. So do you want to slide into the Children of the Mind? Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> that are we cool? Are we done with this? Um, I think. Well, Peter, again, I ask you, what were we talking about? We're, what was the source of this point. conversation? All right, the Children of the Mind, which is like. One of my favorite things about this series. It's very interesting. It's kind of like Jesuits on Speed. uh, It's Jesuits on Speed. First of all, I do want to point out that um, the church church has still not come to terms with gay marriage. No. Well, Orson Scott Card still hasn't come to terms with gay marriage, so do you expect any of his fiction would? Well, no, he might have. This book was published in Like, What are you talking about? There's not even gay people in this. Is there? Uh, I mean, no. But, like, St. Angelo's writings are like... Only a man and a woman may answer. Oh, 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 yes, there was there was a reference to that. But um, Peter, again, raised Catholic, so like that just slides right off me at this point. <laughs> no, I know, me too. Do you know so how hard I, it was I went to pick to... my wedding uh, readings? <laughs> Not ones that were like, and man and wife. <laughs> <laughs> you mean because you had more than one gay person at your wedding? <laughs> yes, and also I was just kind of like skeeved out by some of that uh, verbiage. Yeah, that seemed kind of awful. And then That's fair. the wife will serve the husband. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> I ended up with kind of a, um, ironically, a kind of gay reading, but it's fine. <laughs> but my oh, mother was like anyway. a stag. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So the, um, yes, so the Children of the Mind, uh, first of all, so I think the idea that Ender, like, 
found this order, this religious order that he was, like, real cool with because he just kind of loved their mission was awesome. I mean, they're just, like, philosopher monks, right? Like, that's their kind of their whole thing. Philosopher monks Yeah, well, they're, they're teachers. They're, they're teachers. They're dedicated to teaching. Are they teachers? Yeah. Who are they teaching? They run the schools. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, the wife is the principal of the school. Oh, yes, you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I remember this now. Yeah, she's the principal, and, and the husband is the abbot. So they're, like, they talked about how, like, the perfect fusion of the two. Yes. You write, oh, man, what a power couple. Yeah, that is the ultimate power couple. That's the couple. ultimate Catholic future power couple. <laughs> the ultimate Catholic power couple. <laughs> uh, but I think this is, like, a great order, and I would be, I would kind of dig it if it existed. I would dig the people. I would not, however, join it. Because the idea Never of celibate it. marriage seems like a real jip. <laughs> I got married. They promised. They <laughs> said if I got married, I could... Nope. Still can't. <laughs> Stuck. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, man, Catholics are all about just trying to keep you celibate, huh? Let me be super clear. Sex ruins everything. <laughs> and if it wasn't clear that we felt that way already... <laughs> We Here's created some monks that are also we celibate. A religious order of married people. Married um, celibates. That's so they cruel. Cannot get, they cannot get down. But I mean, straight up, you want to drop some catechism real quick. Like, isn't that a thing in Catholicism that if you can't consummate the marriage, it's not a marriage? Like, the sacrament's not complete until you have sex with your spouse. <laughs> Unprotected sex. Here, isn't that true? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's true. That's like a part of the technically the sacrament. I mean, maybe. It's been, maybe it's been a long time since I took sex and marriage in my senior year of high school. Oh my god! I'm not going to Catholic college, guys. This stuff did not get reinforced since then. But no, I think I I'm oh going to say that I believe that's true. That if you're <laughs> if you're a Catholic marriage, because I think like okay, I'm going to stand by this. <laughs> say you get married, and. Uh-huh. Your spouse is terribly paralyzed before you get to have sex with them. I feel like you could annul it because the marriage, the sacrament's not complete. Uh, you can annul it, but like I don't think it's for that reason. I think it is. Why do you think? Okay. What do you think the reason is? Um, it's like a trap. <laughs> but you, you said you'd be together in sickness and in health. So I mean, it, this is sickness, but deal with it. Yes. Because I was telling mom um, that once. I was like, yeah, Ab and I have already agreed that, like, if one of us gets, you know, <laughs> debilitatingly injured, it's cool to leave. And mom's like, ha, ha, ha. But sickness and in healthy soon. I'm like, yeah, okay, sorry. I should have known my audience here. <laughs> I mean, like, fair. I'm, I was mostly joking. I mean, do you have to kill the other person before you get to leave? Because, <laughs> yes. like, that sounds like that my, sounds worse, that's the deal. I would, TBH. I would make that deal. I mean, it's better for the spouse, probably. I mean, do you want to talk about uh, physician-assisted suicide? Or I mean, not no, not trying to do a book about it. Spousally-assisted suicide. Um, yeah, you're not a physician, CC. Huh? You're not a physician. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so if it's me, um, doesn't count. CC-assisted suicide. CC-assisted suicide. <laughs> not specifically named. CCAS. <laughs> where I, okay. I feel strongly that we're off topic. <laughs> I'm getting that feeling <laughs> that we've got into Catholic catechism. <laughs> Catholicism is a major suicide, and what we believe about marriage. Catholicism, the catechism was a legitimate part of this story. I think the rest of it was not. (laughs) As as per usual, the first five percent of a deviation is (laughs) is 
totally appropriate, and then it just leads us down a stupid road. So, anyway, clearly the Catholic Church has updated some of its marriage doctrine, if it's, like, cool with people being married and also celibate. Not having sex. Or creating children. I mean, that is a part of, like, the purpose of marriage, according to the Catholic Church. So, I think... You're right, you're right. Um, I think the really cool kind of idea about this one is that... First of all, I like that conversation. I like... The writings of San Angelo. How do you, much do you think OSC loved writing the writings of San Angelo? I think he loved it very much. I think he loved it lots. Yes. Um, so he was writing about his writings, and he was like, look, uh, I think it was interesting that he was like, we, like, the, the, the children of the mind are Christians in, in every way. They're citizens of Christianity. Whereas priests and nuns and brothers and, and other religious life are not. They're meant to be tenders of the world. Yes. I think that was kind of a cool distinction, and that's why his order existed. Because there have been countless religious orders dedicated to education and passing on knowledge yeah, and all that. we went to schools run by them. Yeah, we both went to schools run by them. Yes. The Christian a Brothers literally exist. Yeah, the IHM sisters, yeah. Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and the Christian Brothers. Yeah, exist only to educate. Yeah. But their servants, in, in, in OSC slash St. Angelo's words, their servants and tenders of... The Christian citizenry, yeah. whereas the children of the mind are above it, which I think is kind of They're cool. the shepherds. The children of the mind are sheep, just very smart sheep. They're very good very sheep. Dedicated They're very sheep. good sheep. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay. So, yes, I love that. It's really I love that they're, like... They're just kind of... They're very realist. Like, I think the idea yes. of, of them being... Which is why they remind Ju- me of Jesuits. Uh, mo- yeah, monk Jesuits is, like, all right, spot on. Right, plus they've got the whole Jesus are. thing in them. Like, they're children of the mind of Christ. Jesuits are, you know. Je- Je- Jesuits. What's the full name of the them? Society of Jesus. Society of Jesus, that's right. Um, two two podcasts I, in a row, by the way. I what, did not realize I remembered that. I did not know I remembered <laughs> that. <laughs> Those moments where something from Catholic education just, like, comes out of you. You're asked it in, like, a trigger word. It's like, oh, yeah, you spout the exact thing. <laughs> yeah. The command phrase has been uttered. <laughs> All of a sudden I'm saying the, uh, God, what's the, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> what's what it a part of? We because get... you haven't uttered my command word. <laughs> <laughs> what's it a part of? Is it a part of a second? No, no, yes. The, uh, the, the thing you say at the end of confession. Active contrition. Active contrition. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> okay, no more talking about Catholics. Oh, wait, no, I want to talk about the bishop. <laughs> You're talking about the bishop. Wait, uh, I think the last thing I want to say is that, like, I love that the, just like the Jesuits, the, the children of the mind are, like, just thumbing their nose at, like, the old school structure of the Oh, church. my God, yeah. They're like, yeah, we'll, all we'll the respect time. it. Like, we'll follow all the rules, but we're also just sort of smirking at you. <laughs> like, like the okay, whole time, bishop. You guys are, yes. You're kind of jackass. <laughs> like, everything from, like, their untended garden. <laughs> Every Children of the Mind monastery has an untended garden. It's awesome. Wait, what? <laughs> they specifically talked about how, like, the guard... So, like, the the church had, like, a really super-tended, like, well-manicured garden, and the Children of the Mind, like, don't. And that's a thing. They specifically at, like, have an untended mind. garden? Like, they have a garden, but, like, they let, they let, like, you know, weeds grow. Like, it's, like, it's, like, a garden. It's a more wild, beautiful It's, like, garden, a symbol that like... they're not concerned with the matters of the earth or something? Well, no, it's, like... 
I mean, maybe I don't know. They didn't get into the, like the religious meaning, signification, or um, symbolism of it, which I'm sure there is one because it's a religion. Um, but <laughs> no, it's like they have this this garden, which like is beautiful and stunning in its own way, but it's also wild, as opposed to the the bishop's garden or the, the cathedral's garden, which is like Completely orderly rows of flowers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're uh, right. I mean, I think that actually is a really powerful allegory for the way like that kind of order is. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, it's still a garden, but it's, like, much more accessible and, like, natural feeling. Yeah, it's a more, uh, yeah, it's a more, I mean, natural. That's the word. Natural. Um, the other thing is I like that the abbot and I, I, I think it was uh, Don Krista and Donna Krista. Was that it? Yeah, Don and Donna Christo. Christo. Uh, Don and Donna Christo were, like just kind of hanging out with Ender, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're cool with you. <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're our kind of guy. Like, yeah, meanwhile, I like how they, like, Bishop Peregrino's like, he is the Antichrist, and everyone's, like, eating that <laughs> shit up. Yeah, and they're like, you seem like a good dude. Yeah. And they're like, uh, I think that's, like, a very cool thing, how, like, Don Cristo um, <laughs> convinced the bishop to make him only involved, like, to be like, yeah, tell you what. So everyone doesn't have to deal with this antichrist. <laughs> Just have the children of mine talk to him. We'll we'll set him straight. Don't you worry, Bishop. <laughs> we'll handle all interactions with this. <laughs> but no, it really is like a very sort of subtle manipulation of the bishop into like, like you know, while still respecting his office and everything, and like not going out of turn, being like, I'm interested in this guy and I'm gonna hang with him. Um, let's make it official. How, how, yeah. How about you make it my job? Yeah. How about we make that not a problem? Yeah, which is just like wonderful, and I love him. For yeah, it. and I, I mean, they're like they're just like always fucking ready. Like they, they, they knew that Ender was the one who spoke, um, San Angelo's funeral, which is like. Well, I think Ender told. I think Ender told them that. Did I thought they lifted up? They, I think they were. Oh shh. Mm. All right. Well, we won't we won't pin our reputation on that one. Yeah, but like. Point is, they like I they always they... were on to stuff, and like. When they had that whole meeting with Peregrino and them and the mayor, where she was like, oh, yeah, we're fucked. And they're like, yeah, we know. And Peregrino's like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we already started moving our files off the world. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, just ready. They're, they're just real. They're, like, in the world for realsies, not, like, living in a sort of imaginary world like the bishop is. Well, I mean, they're in the world as opposed to the, 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 the ministry, like, the religious ministry who are kind of, like, set apart. And that's kind of intentional. Yes. So it makes, like, that's why that's I like their, their like order so much. Yeah, they're meant to be in the world. Yes, totally. Um, you know, like, Christians are called to be in the world, but not of it. The religious life are not meant to be in the world at all. <laughs> Neither in the world nor of it. Yeah, just kind of next to it, next to the world. <laughs> That's the last piece of catechism I will speak Real quick, the now. bishop. I thought the bishop was a really interesting character. Because what do you mean, real quick, Cece? <laughs> We're accepting this as an hour and a half episode. <laughs> God, at least. Um, so the bishop was, I thought, really interesting because he... He at first seems like the real, like, cliched, blustery, proud, paranoid Catholic. Yeah. Will not stand down is, like, is definitely right. The Re- demands respect like... and, like, acknowledgement of his station. Yes. Always wearing his fancy boy bishop outfit. Fancy boy bishop outfit. <laughs> the hat and the staff and all that shit. Um, oh, my God. Like, he's kind of a douche in the beginning. And like he's a major douche. It, it's honestly a really interesting parallel to the idea that like you shouldn't let first impressions rule your opinion of a person, because like yeah. his fir- the first impression he makes is like pretty bad, and you're like, ugh, 
Catholic bishops. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, honestly. Um, especially Catholic bishops in fiction. I feel like they're never particularly good people unless it like literally is Catholic fiction. Um, I feel like they always follow this kind of mold. But like over time, you know, like he still really doesn't like Ender, and you know, sort of st- slowly starts to thaw to him. And then I think that like the real turning point was when Ender spoke Mark Howe's death and um, the bishops like looking around and being like, it, like, yes, part of me says like what he's doing is terrible and like unfeeling and harsh. And he's like bringing up all these sins that should be in a confessional and not like in the public. But on the other hand, like I can see the release that this is to the people it affects and you're, mm-hmm. he's like right. sucking the venom out of this family and like yeah it's a really painful process but without it they couldn't ever heal and move on and then like the first one where I was like oh Peregrino was when he took King, King into his office and he was like hey you seem like really messed up about things and it's like just this boy who's a part of his community who he knows is like devoted and so he's like, maybe I should mm-hmm. talk to him because I know he looks up to me. And like, he talks to him about Navinia and how Keith feels betrayed and like helps him realize that he's just being really proud. And he's like, okay, like go pray for mercy because you were so like unforgiving. And I was like, wow, that's really nice. Yeah, it was a, it was a really mature moment. I know. And like, he, he didn't totally come full circle on Ender, but like he, he sort of saw what he did and was like, okay, like I can see that this serves a purpose. And also was not condemning of Novinia, was kind of like, yeah, it, it was a sin. Nobody's glad she did it, but, like, he was not like, oh, I won't associate with that adulteress. Yeah, he wasn't like, let's burn her. He was like, all right, like, that's... And, you know, one of the major points is that's kind of how this system works. Yeah. Like, what was the major difference between Catholicism and Judaism? Catholicism mm. has a confession, like, there is a penance. There is a way to absolve yourself. Right. And, like, you know, some Protestant cultures have gone in the other direction. Some Protestant cultures have gone, like, gone to the, towards Judaism. But, like, Catholic, Catholicism kind of started that idea of absolution. Yeah. And Like, you can be free of I, your sin just by, like, expressing it and not holding it inside you anymore. And Yeah, expressing it and, and you know, kind of... Performing something the, to, and, and, to or, make up for yeah, it. Performing but. some sort of penance. But, like... And, I mean, I think it was um, Ender who pointed out, like, Novena had... She had subjected already, herself to her own penance. To, it's something way worse than the church yeah, would ever Yeah, way subject. worse than three Hail like, Marys and doing something nice for a neighbor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for anyone that's listening that's not Catholic, that's definitely a penance you would get. Yeah, for sure. Like, like for sure. I know it was my first penance was, like, do three Hail Marys and something nice for your mom. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Can right, <thanks>. do. <laughs> Are you sure? I did steal a car. <laughs> and it's all gone just like that? <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Call the cops. <laughs> you tell them. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, so that is kind of like, like, so in some ways, like, Bishop Peregrino goes from being this this kind of awful, blustery stereotype to what I think he should To, be. like, a genuinely caring bishop. Like... At first, it seemed like he really just was in love with the station, but then you see that he really deeply cares about his flock. And yeah, he's a little paranoid, and he's a little stodgy, but, like, he's really just doing his best because his mission is important to him. Yeah, and he's... You see, like, the major part where I saw where he was, like, he came around on the idea of the rebellion. Because he was, like, like um, 
the mayor was kind of like, all right, I could see this. But he was like, not a chance. Like, there's nothing to gain. We broke the law. There has to be, like, the law is there for a reason. There has to be some sort of payment. Again, and very Catholic. He ca- Yeah, very Catholic. He came full circle. Yeah, some sort of penance. Yeah. Uh, he came full circle on, like, hold up. Are you telling me I can send out missionaries? <laughs> yeah, I love that. He's like, wait, and there, wait, and wait, there was wait, like, wait, Yeah, wait. sure, I don't care. <laughs> wait, <laughs> can I try to convert them? But it wasn't, oh, it wasn't like, imperialistic at all. It was just like, oh, I can, like, bring them into Christ's embrace. It was like... It was, I think, came from a really altruistic place. And Ender's like, yeah. they oh. might not like it, but you could try. And Peregrine is like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, Ender's like, look, like they may not want any, any part of it, but I will go and talk to the wives. When I make this treaty with the wives, I will ask them about yeah, it. Yeah, see if they're open to and it. And the bishop's like, that shot, that chance to kind of send out and, and spread his message, which is obviously a huge part of his life and very important to him, um... That says a lot. Yeah, I think it was really, I mean, it was a really nice moment for him. He, I mean, he's still not like a perfect person by any means, but nobody is in these books. That's the point. People. All That's what I like so much about these books. Yeah. He, and Ender's weakness is Novena. <laughs> for some inconceivable reason, I know. Like the worst thing some... he does in this book, according to his own estimation, is turning off Jane for an hour. Who, by the, the worst way, thing he does in this book. Peter, it's been an hour and eight minutes, yep. and this is the first time either of us mentioned Jane. God, all right. Well, clearly hour and a half. Buckle up, y'all. Do you want a bathroom break? <laughs> <laughs> no, Cece, they're listening. They can just go to the bathroom while oh, yeah. doing this. Please, we all do that. Don't pretend. Or are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, all right, so Jane. Um, awesome, first of all. Yes. I. First word, awesome. All right, we're done there, right? Yeah, that's Jane. <laughs> Good. All right, you guys got it, right? No, I thought, I thought Jane's, like, basically having the story of Jane's sort of creation was really interesting. And... It was a very cool way to spend the time. Like, her reaction to getting shut off was, like, her reflecting on her creation. Yeah, and and talking about, like, sort of the difference of how time passes for her versus how time passes for Ender. And the idea that, like, she came to know him through his battle school days and was, like... And then it was it was after he published the Hive Queen and the Hegemon that she was like, if anyone can understand me, it's him. And like for three thousand years, introduced herself to only him, and only had a relationship with him. And because she was afraid, because like they they say this in the book, they're like humanity has created and killed her in fiction so many times. Absolutely, AI is an extremely common part of sci-fi. And sci-fi has only become like a popular genre in the last century, right? Well, even probably half of a century. And there's already countless penny novels about sci-fi. About, about um, AI. AI being a threat. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it makes sense, because I never thought about it before this book, but, like, it makes sense that an AI that, in Jane's case, is, like, connected to everything and has access to everything would, like, register all those pieces of fiction and be like, oh, oh I shit. am not welcome here. Oh, they don't like they me. They are not a fan of me, and I need to figure out, like, how to exist and interact with humanity. Because, like, I am an altruistic being. Like, she, she, I would say, is the closest thing to perfect that's in these books. Like, she, even though she's way more powerful than us, actually has, like, really complete power over the Hundred Worlds, basically, via the Oh, she puts the, the, the power the Starways Congress has over... The Satania colony and like being able to turn, control their water supply from wherever they are located, which is, up. which is super fucked up. And also like, where where are they? But also, 
what the fuck? Who would set up their computer system like this? Right? You guys agreed to that? Yeah, you guys signed to this? But I think you were saying it's um, partially because they're not a full colony, so they're not, like, they don't have that sort of autonomy. Well, they don't have privacy, but I feel I get the feeling that that's the Starways Congress' ability to control any world. Yeah, but... The way they enforce their authority is the ability to control information and control infrastructure. I feel like this comes up a lot for us, though, Peter, is... is basically like how empires that take place over many 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 light years assert their control and keep their empire unified and this is just how Star Wars Congress does it which is interesting <laughs> it's just because you know they choose to employ their force in a different way but like yeah. you look at uh, the collapsing empire the Wu family controlled most of the flow shoals yeah and they control a hub for flow shoals, uh, so they enforce taxes. And they had the monopolies, and so no, nobody could get anything unless they were down with the uh, the noble families. Well, they established the they established the monopolies because they were able to control, like they had they controlled the flow shoals, and they established a military monopoly after that because right. like they were able to make so much money because they controlled one location, and were able to tax everyone. Right. And so, like you look at, and then, but like, they created the entire society where like you could not be independent of anybody else. Right, but I mean, like, the way they got started, the way the Empire first was able to form was because the Wu family became so powerful and influential because they controlled this, this hub. Yeah. Like, they were norm- they were just a really wealthy merchant family before the interdependency yes. started. Let's not talk too much about that. Um, <laughs> anyway, but then you go to the Hajira, and they control, well, through the AI core, they control the, um, the second core, they control the, all the, what's the, what are they called? Farcasters. Yeah. Um, that connect the web, world web together. Like, all these different empires connecting... Really, the only way they were able to connect was through this piece that was massively powerful to the culture. So the Farcasters allowed information travel, but also transport. Um, the um, uh, the independency was, you know, independent. Yeah. Um, simple. Yeah, I mean, you have to, like, literally in order to create and maintain a society that large over that far a distance, you just have to assert control in some way, and this is how Star Wars Congress did it. Via the Ansible control of their computers. Shit, we haven't talked about Ansible yet. All right, well, anyway. Wait, we talked about the Ansible uh, a little bit. Oh, we talked about it in ha- an- We have to talk about that. That's um, fine. That's way more important in the later cool, books, cool. anyway. True enough. So, yeah, so Jane is cool because of those reasons, but also because, like, I, I think it's the kind of idea about how we were able to look into, like, how she is actually managing basically all of the communication everywhere. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, she's actively serving humanity while also being afraid to reveal her identity to it. But here's the thing, like, she's too, she's aware of every conversation. Like, a phone call placed on one of the hundred worlds. It's actually kind of a ma- she's massive violation. Oh, my God. Like, I it s- makes me uncomfortable yes. to think that, like, <laughs> it's so much worse than the NSA. <laughs> Yeah, you guys thought the NSA was bad. Right. No, but, like... We just scaled up the NSA to uh, interplanetary inter, uh, species. When she actively throws the shit at the fan regarding the um, the piggy, like, contamination... When she intentionally, without consulting Ender, throws the shit at the fan. <laughs> it's like, you're welcome. Ender's not even mad about it. He's like, cool, cool, cool. Good job, Jane. Thanks, girl. Good call, Jane. You the best. Um... No, but, like, Love you, and she's, she's like, getting into people's files and being, like, oh, these are the researchers, like, this guy's got a real rep for stealing other people's shit, and it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's brilliant, but also so creepily manipulative the way she does that. Yeah, she, like, printed it out or something, or, like, left it yeah. out. Yeah, I also like, love her being, like, hey, look at this. Like, she had a really cute message on it. <laughs> this is weird. Ah, that's interesting. Strange. <laughs> Signed to nobody. 
Don't know worry about it. <laughs> Deep Dude, do not even sweat it. <laughs> oh my god. No, but it's true though, and it's kind of first of all insane, but second of all, like I don't know. It's cool. It's interesting. I like how she like figured out exactly what um, Navina was trying to hide because she like brute force calculation did. Yeah, she just like figures it out in about four seconds and is like, hmm, "That's interesting." I hope Ender figures that out eventually. Okay, uh, moving on. I'm gonna throw the shit at the fan. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, she like continues to shovel the shit and get ready to toss it all at the fan. <laughs> I, do you feel like that was really necessary to move the plot forward? I think it was just fun. <laughs> I'm just staying fucking with us. This is why we don't like AI. Damn it, Jane. <laughs> oh lord. I I would say that it forced. Uh, so like, I think her doing that kind of forced Ender's hand. Like he couldn't make this this treaty. He wouldn't have the ability to make this treaty if he was working with Starways Congress. That's like, true. I hadn't thought about it that way. Like, that enabled him, that empowered him. Yeah, it gave him autonomy. (laughs) Looking back on this, I should have thought that. That maybe was the whole point. Okay, got it, got it, got it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he got this autonomy, he got this control, and now, like, he has, he's like, yeah, you can go fucking plant um, the buggers, because what's the Star Wars Congress? Like, they're not gonna be able to go, like, oh, shit, no, you can't do that. Yeah, no, fuck you, Star Wars Congress, we're not chill. Yeah, we're we're not chill. (laughs) Zero chill, Star Wars Zero Congress. Chill. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the whole point. You're welcome. Thank you. Wait, I have two more points about Catholics. They should be fast though. <laughs> <laughs> they never are. Continue. First of all, does Orson Scott Card really think we ever say infidel? No, no Catholics say infidel. <laughs> I've never encountered that in my life. <laughs> like maybe he just thought that when it's a colony that's strictly Catholic, there was like a medieval fervor that overtook them, and they start calling people fucking infidels. But like. <laughs> What if, what, Peter, have you ever met a Catholic who says infidel, like, unironically? <laughs> I mean, no. In 21 years of Catholic, I've never come across one <laughs> 21 years of Catholic. It. <laughs> it was like, it was very much like, oh, I forgot this book wasn't written by a Catholic. <laughs> he probably really thinks we say infidel. I really think he does. We don't say infidel, Somebody y'all. to correct him. Someone needs to tell him. Has anyone told him? Oh, Lord. Uh, the other point oh, was that this is a great point of Jane's. She's like, that's the <laughs> that's the contradictory aspects of religious life. Navinia consciously chooses to commit serial adultery, but would never dream of using contraceptives. <laughs> I was like, great point, Jane. <laughs> You're totally no, right. That's if a... Navinia had just used condoms, she never would have had to marry Marco at all. <laughs> Yeah, like, fucking fantastic point. I mean, maybe she really wanted to have Lebo's children because she loved him, and, like, I get that, but still. It's kind of uh, overcomplicated her life unnecessarily. Also, let's talk about Lebo, because it's like, I, I feel like it's an overlooked bummer, what he did. Uh, do you mean the fact that he cheated on his Yeah, wife? like, at least Mark Allen or- knew the, the score when he got into it. Yeah, no, well, that's what, um, Ender talks about that, like, or, no, not Ender, per- Peregrina talks about that, like, I honestly forget her name, but the archivist, Lebo's wife, wife, real wife, not wife in his heart. His real deal wife. Um, wife on paper. Yeah, his Catholic wife. Um, the only wife that matters like, in the night. Yeah, yeah, Infidels. Honestly. Infidels. <laughs> Classic infidels. <laughs> so, 
But Peregrina's talking about how, like, she's the real victim in all this. And he's, he's right. And we see her for, like, four seconds. And it's just, like, be- her being led away by her daughters. And Wanda's, like, not pissed at all. Which I find surprising. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But, like... Yeah, she just kind of takes it in stride that, like, the boy she's completely in love with and wants to marry is now her brother. Has been a lot of time smooching. Good, thank God they didn't have I mean, sex. That's all I'm saying. Oh my God, right? You think she was thinking that? Like, wow, I'm really glad I enforced that whole uh, no sex before marriage. Yeah, thing. probably. Um, also, like, they've got to go back and delete all their no- their like their secret notes, notes that included like, yeah, they include like, oh, that's that's the projecting of a su- sex starved Xenador. <laughs> no one could find that. <laughs> my brother's so horny. For me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, it's so awkward in retrospect. I think it's the worst. It's, it's, oh my god, though. It is really fucking sad, obviously. Oh, it's so it's sad. It's really tragic and terrible. And it's just one of the many ways yeah, like, Miro's I, life gets fucked. I don't blame Miro for reacting the way he And did. it was real. That was, like, I feel like the most devastating thing that Miro was talking about was him being, like, he was, like, ready to go for it anyway. And he's, like, I, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I love her. And we weren't raised as siblings, and it doesn't fucking matter to me at this point. Because he was like, he reached like a high level of desperation, and they were, he was like, yeah, I'm cool with going for it, but like the second that bomb was dropped, he's like, Wanda just started distancing herself. She just started being like, okay, we're siblings. Like, yeah. no go. Which, again, totally fair. Same Wanda, but like, it was, it was really sad that Mira was like, even past that, he was like, I don't fucking care. But, well, you look at that in the people, right? Wanda's like highly religious. Yeah, she's she's a she's a belonger, isn't that what he says? She's a good Catholic. She she belongs to things, yeah. and Miro like wasn't. And Miro was raised in like a horrible household, and that just makes sense for how he he came out, and like so it kind of makes sense that he was willing to throw societal con- constraints aside. I mean, also genetic genetic ones. Also, also like, aren't you guys but, yeah. scientists? But whatever, <laughs> you don't have to worry about it right away. Um, Send your kids back I mean, to regular society, and it should be minimized. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll be like a. It'd be pretty like, but, but might be bad, but like probably won't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. Not right away, probably. Yeah, no, unless you like guys like stayed out there and just did and that told for a while. Told your kids to do it too. Yeah, we're like guys, this is fine. This <laughs> we is our new no society. With this. We did it. You can do it. Oh am I right? Oh my god. Um. Anyway. But no, that's that's it's all very so, tragic. But yes, like, Lebo, I feel like, is held up as, like, this great man. He was, like, good and kind and generous and terrific, and everyone loved him. But, like, that motherfucker, like, Mira points it out, too. He's like, yeah, great, me and Wanda were born two months apart. Busy year for dad. (laughs) It's like, yeah, "Yeah, you're right, Miro. That's fucked. Yeah, and Mira called it out. Yeah, like, he's kind of the only one who's seen that shit, clearly. Because, like... Lebo was, and we have no reason to believe, was, like, not a good marriage. Yeah, it like, seems like they really like, loved each other, which makes it so much yeah, worse. Lebo was just really horny. Yeah. That's, like, awful. It was so sad. I mean, I don't think he was horny. I think he just legitimately, like, loved kind of two people. Like, he regular loved his wife, and then he, like, weird obsession loved Navinia. And frankly, I don't see why. <laughs> like, why did she bring him? Yeah, she's kind of trash. She's <laughs> kind of awful. Maybe he thought he'd screw her into giving her his secret, her him her secrets. Yeah, maybe. But no, I mean, like they had this really deep bond that was like completely immutable, and like, it, it, like nothing could overcome it. Not even like the love that I I feel that he felt for his wife. It, it's really yeah. fucked up, and I don't know if it's like maybe it's because I'm married now, 
<laughs> was it the last time I read this? But I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> That's awful. I mean, I don't know. I had that reaction. I'm not married, so yeah. it's cool. <laughs> like, I mean, I must have had that reaction last time. But, like, I think maybe it's just because I dislike Novena so deeply. <laughs> like, I hate her so much. In the years much. since, I kind of forgot that I was mad at Lebo, too. <laughs> <laughs> that that might honestly and like be it. I honestly I had forgotten that they did this to begin with because like when I was like it's been a long time since I read this and it, when I was reading it in the beginning I was like oh yeah then they get married and like I, <laughs> like just to sort of took that for granted like you're supposed to and then slowly I was like oh no that's not how this goes I forgot oh god this sucks oh, oh no, no. <laughs> this is so much worse <laughs> this is so much worse oh god yeah um. Who could say? But I, I gotta right, be honest, um, though, like, I I was very scared when I first read this book. It's a very scary book in some ways, you know? Like, it, it unsettled okay. me, you know? But, like, knowing what I know now and rereading it, I enjoyed it that much more. Like, I always enjoyed it, but I also had that sort of, like, fraught relationship you have with a book that scares you. But because I understood yeah, it this time, I was, like, not really scared by it and, like, got to enjoy it that much more. Which is why I'm willing to definitively say I think this is his best book. I will say that. It's certainly not Christmas, pa- Christmas pageant. I've never read it. I'll say that right now. It's not Christmas <laughs> pageant. Not. I, I feel confident making this bet. <laughs> this book is better than Christmas pageant. Oh, man. I, I am, can definitively yes. say... I agree with you. I think it's better than... I think um, a contender might be Shadow of the Hegemon. Uh, does he start all his weird homophobic shit in that one, though? I don't think okay. so. He does start some weird that shit. That series has some very homophobic shit in it. That series has some very homophobic and also, like, traditional gender roles. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. when Petra becomes, like, a good housewife. <gasps> At, like, 14. One day we should do... We should do one of those books just so we can rant <laughs> about it the sure. whole time. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. All right. Um, the part, that's I the wanna, problem. There's some things that I really like in those books, but it, I don't think I can really overcome all the shit I really do not like in those books. <laughs> I, I hate so much about them. Yeah. It pretty much about if brings them in for me. If you could cut that out and just make them novellas, that would be oh cool. Oh, my God. We should do that. <laughs> we should do Copyright that. Copyright laws be damned. <laughs> He doesn't know any lawyers. Uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, hold up. I would like to bring up two points of, of, of side things. Are we, are we pretty much done, I think right? There's a couple more things to go, but... Oh, my God. This should be fast, right? What, what else do you have, CC? What else do I have? Give me your... Give me your wait. Tell, tell me the couple of things you have, and we'll pick one. Okay. This was just one great quote I wanted to reference, so it's not really a discussion point. Okay. Ender is a destroyer, but what he destroys is illusion. I thought that was a really beautiful characterization. That is a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, like, that... The speaking is traumatic, but... Like, <laughs> Miro and Wanda were siblings, regardless. And there is just the one who that came in and was like, yeah, you guys are siblings. <laughs> and, like, it sucked, but it was always going to be true. Tell you what, it's almost better that it came from Ender, someone who an outsider, like, who is an outsider, but also like clearly like from the get shows yeah, up. led with compassion, like from the start was like full of compassion and didn't and you know like goes into all these speakings knowing he's gonna hurt people horribly, yeah. 
but he also knows that it's incredibly cathartic and needs to be right. done. Absolutely. Um, it just occurred to me that's kind of a weird idea that like he basically started this religion and then just kind of became like a a nondescript minister of it. He really is kind of like he's kind of like a Buddha figure where it's like yeah that person was mortal but they like created this religion and they're venerated like not worshipped but venerated and then um, but, but if the, Buddha was also like immortal <laughs> and still hey, traveling here, around booting booting yeah weird question um do you think he rolled up to like like how many times do you think he traveled before he found speakers <laughs> like one day he came out of his like two week trip and all of a sudden there was like in the like the last decade there had been this revolution of thought and now there were speakers. Can I tell you? I bet it was the first time. You think yeah. so? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the High Queen and the Hegemon kind of took the, you know, human inhabited worlds by storm. So it's like, okay. And like here, you it had to be shorter. decades being enough. But like, and maybe like. probably slower back then too. Like, how long? Didn't it take the them, like, 50 fucking years? Hang on. P- Peter was an old-ass man, so it took them, like, 80 years to get to their new world. Like, maybe not 80, but, like, 60 years to get to their first new world. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm saying... I mean, that was, like, in the, that was that the it was core like of... Up to a half a century. That was the end of bugger space, though. The far end? Uh, was yeah. it? Well, um, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it was the middle of bugger yeah. space. That's true, but still. But still, it was like a while. Like it was, you know, it was it was a hike. <laughs> yeah, it was a long trip. However, but at, at a minimum, like twenty years, maybe maybe as short as a decade before he got to his next planet. Because maybe like I imagine they probably inhabited, like they probably colonized a bunch Did, of like chains of planets. Yeah, nearby. Yeah, nearby planets. I would colonize nearby planets before I'd like do a bunch of. Point planets. is, I would say possibly the first time, definitely by the second time. Yeah. So like. But, like, he's, at that point, like, I don't think he was the governor of the first colony for very long. He was for, like, 10 years, 15 years. So, like, uh, that seems like too long, CC. Because he, he was, like, 15 at the end of Ender's Game. Uh, no, he was, like, 25 at the end of Ender's Game. Oh, well, I mean, all right. He, he was, mean, like, 13, like, I thought, when he destroyed the buggers. But, yeah, but I think he spent, like, a year or so, like, kind of kicking Yeah, that's true. There was some kicking system. around. Yeah, he was, like, in his mid-20s, though, I'm pretty sure. Because there was, like, a small war fought and all that. When he wrote the Hive Queen and the Hegemon, I think he was in his mid-twenties. And does this matter? Okay. Well, it doesn't matter for this point, because he's, like, 35 in this That's book. true. So, he doesn't spend... He Say he spends, you know, three weeks, like, kicking around on a planet before he does his speaking at a minute, at a max. So, like, he has to travel a lot, but he spent, like, six months... I don't know that uh, that's at a max. All right. Well, I think Lusitania was a pretty small community, so it didn't take that long for him to figure everything out. Also, that's they true. were all, like, super naive, uh, like, that whole conversation he has with the doctor, and then Jane's just, like, laughing. That was really It funny. was really sweet. <laughs> that was so nice. <laughs> so wholesome. <laughs> oh, you you didn't even consider that there was such a thing as adultery, Amazing. did you? Amazing. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but his testicles worked up till the end. <laughs> just like a Grego year. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless! I love he the was doctor. the exception to the rule, <laughs> Doctor Navia. What else? Seems like like he didn't know that much about the disease, so it's kind of like I don't know, could be, which is fair. Yeah, but like, but like if you but look at none every of, other none of the case six children got it, <laughs> or were even carriers. Yeah, they're all clean. Yeah. Oh my god! All right. Um. Anyway, but 
Yes. Uh, let's talk about Ramen and Varelsa. Oh my god, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. (laughs) It's a great. I don't think you can talk about this real quick. First of all, this is such an awesome, awesome. I love it. I want to use it all the time, except that we don't know any aliens. So we'd have to use like the the worst part. Wait, Framen. What? Framling. Framling. Okay, Framen is Dune. Framen. (laughs) Yes, um, Framen is uh, the Framen are Utlanding. (laughs) Utlanding is um, uh, humans from your like world. Humans you recognize as like yeah, Utlanders. Humans from your world. Framling are humans. Yes, and then Ramen are aliens who you can like have intelligent conversation with. And Varelsa are like aliens. Are like truly incommunicable. Well, like it's described as really no better than beasts. Like yeah, I mean functionally. Like incapable of communication. Cannot be. The buggers were until Ender met the Hive Queen. And it was right, not, exactly. like, a reflection on their morality or anything else. It was just, like, as far as your ability to communicate and coordinate with them is concerned, they are beasts to you. And we you just happened to kill them before we figured that way of communicating. Them. They don't understand you. You can't communicate. You'll never yeah, understand exactly. either. Until you figure that mm-hmm. out. I think that's a really... I, I don't know. I feel like it's a really useful concept. Like... Holy shit. The but. Hive queens are brains are like Jane. Yeah, they're phyletic. That's why neither of them um, is affected by relativity, which, by the way, blew my mind. But like Jane is like over light years and like over entire civilization. It's just I think it's crazy how because neither of them are affected by light speed drag that like the brains are basically the mm-hmm. same. Anyway, sorry, are, are completely irrelevant. This is like a weird uh, fictional physics conversation because like what I didn't understand why the hive queen shouldn't still be susceptible to relativity because. She, her, like, are phylots non, phylots are non-physical? They, like, don't exist in this realm? I, alright, I don't remember the specifics enough to talk about it. So we're talking about the, um... I don't know, did we talk about them? The ramen and all that. Sufficiently. I mean, yeah, I just think it's kind of, like, a very, I think it's very cool. I think it's very interesting that Demosthene, um... I think it's, honestly, gonna be even more to talk about in that respect when we do the next book in the series. Which yes, is which Xenocide, is more right? about the... The hi- yes, Xenocide, which is more about the Hive Queen and uh, and and the piggies and how that interaction and et cetera. Works. Yes, etc. Um, dun, dun, dun. final point. All right, all right. Oh yeah, Turn you you had other shit to say too. Well, mine's just like kind of interesting little tidbits. Okay, about I was it. just gonna ask you if you thought that Ender was a Christ figure. Yes, yes. I think so too. I think Definitely. so too, because like I mean, even he even came- like Christ biblically is a person with like faults and a temper and everything. And Ender, Ender's and he came as a stranger. He came as a stranger. He was doubted by the authority, oh God, yeah. like the the powers that be. So in, in Christ's case was Judaism, like the the ra- the you know the corrupt rabbi, the Pharisees, mm-hmm. all that. Uh, Ender came in and it was the Catholic yes. Church. Uh, so, like you know, the corrupt power structure. He he came in. He he defied them. He showed them their corruption. He helped them learn. Like, helped, theoretically, you know, fi- helped help them learn. Help help. The, the communities heal and and all that. Ender's healing was more, you know, mental, but it was yes. still healing. And um I think there was also there was a strong theme of with Ender in general of like love and true knowing being connected and it's like I truly understand you and I love you. Like that And therefore Yeah, I love and that's you. like that's sort of his whole thing with like everyone That and therefore is, is is interesting. Is extremely Jesus y, I feel. Yeah, because like there's a he, his, 
his incredible ability for understanding is like he thinks that there is no way to know someone and not yes. love them. Which is is hugely important to his speaking and his yes, personality. Definitely. So I I just thought that was an interesting point. What were your interesting tidbits? All right. Um. First of all, this is this is more cool. The other one's just funny. Um, this is a quote from uh from Orson Scott Card that was at the Los Angeles Times Book Festival in 2013, okay. and he said that he doesn't want Speaker for the Dead to be made into a film. He said it's unfilmable. It consists of talking heads interrupted by moments of excruciating and unwatchable violence. <laughs> he said, there's plenty of unwatchable violence in film, but never attached to my name. Speaker for the Dead, I don't want to be filmed. I can't imagine it being filmed. So, first of all, that's kind of fair. Like, you look at this alien race who are probably pretty hard to make kind of, like, cute and fun. And, you know, like, not definitely violent and scary sometimes, but, like, generally speaking, when they're happy... Like you're like that's is wonderful. This is adorable. The piggies. It's hard to take that and make them lovable characters, but who also vivisect a human. And at the end, like a piggy. I mean, there would be on some pretty extraordinary violence to visualize. I mean, like I said, I think genuinely the the unsettling nature of that image tainted my enjoyment of the book the first time I read it. Yeah, because all of a sudden you're like, oh, they got vivisected. Like, it's very sudden, you're like, oh, God. I do not like this. Because, like, you're, you're hearing about this guy, he's like, oh, he sounds nice. Oh, I love nice. people. People And then great. all of a sudden, he's, he's very dead. Dead in a very bad way. I, you know, oh, I didn't even mention this. In reference to that, I love, I think it's a very interesting look into the piggy's morality when they find out oh, yeah. that the, that the, the grass is not. Like is not really. It seems like it does have some effect on Miro, but it's not as powerful of a uh, anesthetic. Anesthetic, thank you. As this for the piggy. So when, because Ender cried, when Ender cried, or not Ender, uh, Oanda cried. They were like, "Hey, what's that?" (laughs) And they're like, "That's how we show pain and suffering." They're like, "Oh god!" (laughs) And they had like a really sudden reaction that they real like, and they all remembered that they saw that wetness in people and Lebo's eyes. And and they real and that was the great realization that that they caused the humans un, the, who they loved and honored unimaginable suffering. Yeah, for serious. And that that and also um, later when Ender like explains that planting doesn't work for humans and everything, and they're like, "Oh my god, what the fuck did we do?" They were like, "We murdered so, like the two biggest." Yeah, men. they were like these men, like these men who we loved and honored and who were like so good to us. Like we tried to honor them in our highest way and. Yeah, the best honor. It they, it's like if you gave someone a medal of honor and they killed. Yeah, them. <laughs> here's your medal of honor. <laughs> um, say goodbye. <laughs> but I even say goodbye. You don't would even you get a like, chance to say goodbye because it's like you can talk to them later. Yeah, no, it's like it's pretty chill. Like, oh yeah, no, those come and climb inside of you, and we'll hit you with sticks, and you'll talk. To yeah, them. like no, don't even worry about it. But no, also because they were like, they were like, we thought you guys fucked it up by taking them away before they could take root, <laughs> and I was like, you guys weren't more pissed about that. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I like, feel like I you worked guys really hard on planting Lebo, and now there's no tree there. Thanks a lot, <laughs> humans. Yeah, exactly. Although I don't know how they didn't notice that, like the sapling that immediately shoots up from the spine of the piggies when they finish the 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 procedure, or when they finish the ceremony, like a little sp- a little sapling right. shoots up. But maybe they thought like with their that last was life the force. difference between them and humans is that for humans it took longer. <laughs> it took longer. <laughs> I know, like, it's like, wow, that's a terrifying thing you did, but, like, they're, 
the reaction to it was like kind of adorable and like really endearing. I know. And like they were they were so I don't know, like the way their human was like, You better leave because I'm gonna tell them like about Mira or about Lebo and Pipo and it's gonna be really sad and like that's what you're gonna hear. It's gonna be really disturbing for you, so like see you later. And then, like, they're walking away yeah. and they hear, like, the wailing because they're so devastated by what they did. I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah, and it really shows that they, like, I think that was the most powerful example of that they're wrong. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point, Peter. Like, it, they they loved Peepo and Lebo. They loved them. Even though they were, like, those jerks didn't let, <laughs> didn't honor Leaf Eater and, um, uh, Manda Chuva, like, they should have, all that stuff. It was, like, they, they deeply... They deeply love them. Yeah, and then they realize that that's the final death for humans, and they go and like the, and humans had no idea that piggies turn into trees. Yeah. That was not a consideration. So people in Lebo saw that as like they gave their lives, so they didn't have mm-hmm. so Leaf Eater and Mandachuvo didn't have to. I die. mean, that really is like that's the ultimate idea that you're dealing with two ramen races, right? Like they love each other and sacrifice for each other enough to give. Yeah, a life like that's that's it. If there's one clear indicator, it's that. Yeah, and that's the best, they're like the kind of the most beautiful part of that whole story. I think I so think. too. Anything else? Um, on that note, uh, so apparently in the introduction to the 1991 edition of um, <clears throat> Speaker for the Dead, uh, Orson Scott Card had re- had received several letters of people conducting speakings at funerals. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. In before prior to 1991, so like in the 80s, people. That's were doing awesome. Events. That makes me happy. Obviously not enough, like not a lot, but like people some, did it. at least one person. I mean, did it. like really, if you're asked to eulogize somebody, you could do it in that style. And I think that's kind of a better. If you do it well, I think that's a much more powerful tool. Uh, the last thing, I, wait, I have one more mm-hmm. comment to make. I cannot imagine how hard it was to write Ender's speaking. Yes. I imagine that was like that must have been so difficult. The thing that kept him like wrapped up. Because <laughs> let's be honest, most of the writing isn't that complicated or that eloquent. Like yeah, it's not it's specifically it's, very it's, poetic prose or like very beautiful prose. It's yeah, fine. it's just like it's good. It's just it, decent yeah, writing. It's, it's good writing. It's fine. No one will ever applaud Orson Scott Card for, for his, his abil- incredible ability. Yeah, for his wonderful word choice and prose. Yes. Like, no, They'll, they might praise him for his excellent books and pro- and his. Gay phobias, <laughs> they they might praise him for the work he does to maintain a Christian family units in America. <laughs> I know that focus on the family will absolutely support <laughs> this book, but so the um, but yeah, it's yeah, just, but that's like pressure, and it was it, it was beautiful. And then he wrote the life of human, and like we, I don't think any of his writings have ever included snippets of the High Queen or the Hegemon. So, I don't. Th- I um, I think there are some quotes around, maybe. but like not, maybe like small quotes, not but like, like not chunks the, as huge as the uh, the life of human first chapter that he wrote, and like that yeah, exactly. that was that must have like those two scenes must have been a really big deal for him to write. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, all right. Anyway, so that uh, I think that wraps yeah. I mean, up I think final week. notes like, and Orson Scott Card has made no secret of the fact that like this was the book that he wanted to write and Ender's Game was always kind of existed to him as a prequel to this book and to me that kind of mirrors my relationship with him because like I said I mean Ender's Game is a wonderful book don't get me wrong it's got a lot of very rich morality and interesting plot and like I really love Ender's Game but this book is I think more 
original and more interesting to me personally mm-hmm. where I'm at in my life at this time um and then just in general like this book is to me a fantastic intersection of science and philosophy and religion which is like all my jam so <laughs> like yeah, it's kind of the point of this podcast. Yeah. Like, we started this podcast because of Ender's Game and later because of these Yeah, books. like, we like this is this is what we love is, like, science and futurism and speculation, but also, like, how that, how that interacts with the moral development of humanity and, in some cases, the religious development of humanity. I mean, that's... I love that. Yeah. That's why this book is so important to me, personally, regardless of all the shit Orson Scott Card has done and said in his life. And to be fair, this book is there's very minimal that. There's a little bit. I, th- <laughs> I think. I think in 80s, general, so it's like, eh, what can you do? That's in all the books yeah, in the eighties. In general, the Ender series, the Ender Quartet, is very much less of an issue, less problematic. <laughs> much less problematic than, than the other books. books. And low bar, but it's a bar that I'm using nonetheless. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap up. All right. Thanks yeah, for sticking so, with us, guys, um, if you've made it to the end. Yeah, if you're still here, hello. We love you. You're the true fan. <laughs> uh, if you guys want yes, to you. get in touch with us, you can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sci-fi sidebar or our website, signifynothingnetwork.com slash sci-fi sidebar. We would, uh, we would love submissions. Uh, yes. You can go to our Facebook page. You can drop them there. You can uh, email us at sci-fi sidebar at signifynothingnetwork.com. You can, uh, you know, drop... We have lots of books still on our list. Yeah, we're but, totally... Um, you know, if you're there's some, ones that you want to hear. We are for it. Also... Especially because a lot of times I haven't heard yeah, of those Yeah, there's things. a lot... So if you bring something to us that we've never heard of, that's Listen. wonderful. Because it kind of expanded our horizons, it expands your horizons. Confession, y'all, I've never read any Terry Pratchett. Like, we've got a lot of books yet to read. For people with a sci-fi podcast, we, <laughs> we've got a ways to go. So for our next topic, we are going for a seasonal favorite, this time before the actual holiday. Sorry about that again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean not a week and a half after the holiday? Uh, We're going to do a Christmas special for Doctor Who. I think we both have a history of having liked Doctor Who at least for a while. (laughs) Yeah, we both go through Doctor Who phases. We have full at this point, but I did have a TARDIS cover for myself at one point in my life, so... That's true. I did like moderately, that cover. moderately qualified. Um, so <laughs> that's not hoofy and what is exactly. If you've never had a TARDIS cover on your phone, don't talk to me, okay? Oh no! Wait, hold up. You had a T strainer, no a T. Uh, I got a TARDIS T strainer for Millie. Oh damn! You you knew where to get one. <laughs> that's and you like, yeah. it. Really, that's what happened. Um, yeah. So we're gonna do. So that episode we've chosen uh, Christmas Carol, the I guess first season of Matt Smith. His first Christmas special. Uh, so yes, um, that shouldn't be an issue to find. That's on Amazon Prime. That's probably on many torrent websites. Not that I can know that. <laughs> not that we know anything about that. What's it's torrenting? A, it's, it's not. What's torrent? What is a torrent? <laughs> like torrential rain. Like the rain? Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. Anyway, so that episode's going to come out probably on Monday, uh, December seventh. That's the plan. Now, fair warning. Uh, I have one week of class, and then it is finals time. So. It might be hard to fit in time to watch that. We're trying to make that as easy as possible by having it be a one-hour TV special, but, you know. But we'll see. I mean, honestly, I'll probably just go, like, between te- between studying one day and be like, I need yeah. a break. So it should be okay. But we'll see. No promises. Point is, this please is don't be mad. Our, our warning. <laughs> That's what we ask. Um, so, all right. 
I think that wraps us up, Cece. We would love that. Pass us on to your friends. Even better. But, um, yeah. Go ahead and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, share us on your social media platform. Um, so you can, so tens of more people, tens of your followers can yes. see us. Um, see our posts and, and follow that would us. Be uh, we really awesome. appreciate it. And for everyone that's, that's kind of been around, because, like, Cece's been uh, updating the, the downloads. First of all, we have seen a small increase. <laughs> We've seen um, a pretty good increase. Over time. No, I mean, over time. Like, there, like still, like, there's an increase. Like, some older episodes still get downloaded. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we appreciate those It seems like you guys, are, you guys either, are out there. Sharon. For those two people that have downloaded us each 35 times. <laughs> you guys are working really it. hard and we love you. <laughs> I hope you're doing that on Wi-Fi or it's a killer for your data. <laughs> Especially episodes like this. <laughs> oh, God, this is going to be a pain in the ass to make on. Oh, shit, this is going to be hard to make under uh, 64 oh, oh, no. Oh, okay, well. we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, um, we appreciate uh, you guys sticking with us, and um, hopefully you'll stick with us in the future. Yes. <laughs> this has been Sci-Fi Sidebar from the Signifying Nothing Network. A tale told by idiots. <laughs> I feel like that has more savor every time. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys.